0: Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together. I am your host, David Rosen. Um uh, man, we have got a fun show for you today. I have been waiting to do this one, um, because this is a movie that is really close to my heart. <laughs> uh... Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, first, at the top of the show, I just wanted to remind you, if you've been listening, um, please make sure you subscribe to the show um, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts. Um, We are now on Spotify as well. So if you use Spotify, you can subscribe on there. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. Share it um, leave us a review, leave us some feedback. We definitely want to know what you're thinking of the show. And, uh, we really appreciate that so many people have been out there listening. We, you know, so far it's been really great, getting a lot of great feedback, uh, getting a lot of downloads and, uh, we just want to keep on pushing it and making it bigger and better as we go. Um, also this episode is posting, Um, where the next day is going to be an awesome meetup uh, here in Las Vegas at Rebar uh, for the podcast movement. Um, Rebar is where we did a live episode of our other podcast, Bird Road, uh, here on the All Points West Network. And uh, we we had a great time doing that show there, and I helped the podcast movement get this uh, venue for this meetup, which is happening during the uh, NAB convention. Should be a really great fun time. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, mingling with some other podcasters. Should be a great time. And if you're hearing this today, uh, that's coming up tomorrow, uh, uh, April 10th. So hope to see you there. But let's get on to today's show. Today we are going to be talking about best friends, or is it best fiends? Nobody's really quite sure. Um, This is the reunion of The Room's Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. Fifteen years after making the world's worst, or best, most ridiculously infectious and rewatchable movie, the two have re-teamed for a script, this time written by Sistero and directed by newcomer Justin McGregor. It tells the story of a homeless guy who is befriended by a mortician and proceeds to try to sell his collection of gold teeth on the black market behind his back. That probably makes no sense to you, and honestly, what it's about doesn't matter. It's the reunion of Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sistero. And it's an insane ride, and honestly, much better than it has any right to be. You will hear us get into it. Um, First-time co-host on the show today, who I'm hoping to do more episodes with in the future, Ryan Darty. Um, really happy to have him on the show, and really happy to be talking about this movie. Let's just jump right in. So we have got a weird one today. Um, this is gonna be quite different from some of the other episodes, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I have got my friend Ryan Darty here on the line with me. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, hi,
1: David. Good to be here.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> um, we we are gonna be talking about uh, wow. This is called best friends or fiends, depending on how you <laughs> look at it. Um, depending on who you ask but this is the new movie from tommy Wiseau, um and uh we are both big fans of the room and so i definitely thought you would be a great person to talk to about this one and <laughs> i i know you you dig deep like you yeah, you yeah you, yeah, you yeah, the, got the thomas Wiseau of... mythology <laughs> yeah you're deep into it yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, God, what can you even say to lead up to this movie? I mean, it's absolutely absolutely bananas. It's it's so difficult to even um, talk about in terms of the way the show goes, where we talk inspirations. I mean, I've got some listed here. I know you got yeah. a couple, um, but, you know, wow, is it just <laughs> its own thing yeah. and in a lot of ways, which is, I think, what anybody would expect it to be, of because... Course. Uh, the room kind of is as well. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, with that said, um, I think it's fair that we kind of jump in. We're gonna go right to the first inspiration, yeah. which is of course the room, and um, I think we'll talk a little bit about that before we move on to some of the other ones that we've uh, maybe yeah, come up with. Yeah. But I'll let I'll let you jump in first. What? <laughs> how do you think the room influenced uh, Best Friends? So well, for, uh, wait, wait. Let, sure. let, let, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. I'm sorry uh best friends or best fiends what do you call it um
1: i get thrown off because every time i take the r out i assume it's something to do with like recording like the r button for recording something so i actually thought there was gonna be like it was gonna be like a movie about a crazy filmmaker um at first before the commercials um so like uh, along some of my friends, I'll just call it best friends, and it's even more awkward, uh, but traditionally I call it best friends. Uh, if I'm feeling All sassy, right. I'll throw some air parentheses up in the middle of the word friends. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so the yeah. room is obviously um, the biggest influence, but no, in, in a way, I think we could cut this whole interview short if we just said that Thomas Weissau in general every aspect of this movie is an homage or a parody or a tribute to something related to him, either a movie he likes or a movie he's in or just him as a person. Um, sure. But obviously the room stuff is the most obvious stuff because that's what most of the people are coming into this knowing it as. Um, and actually when I saw this, uh, so, so I should clarify, I saw this maybe a month and a half ago and, um, I was probably a little drunker than I should have been watching it. So there's definitely like some plot points that will elude me. But the thing is, the plot points elude everyone anyway. Hey, Uh, I saw it last
0: night and it's still some plot points. Still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Uh, But so I went with some friends who literally just watched the movie as an Easter egg hunt for the room Mm -hmm. quotes and stuff. And you get that, right? Um, You get Tommy saying, oh, hi, so-and-so. You get... Them playing basketball instead of playing football. You get Tom saying, uh, "I don't think he does. He directly say you're tearing me apart, or did he say something very similar to it?"
0: Yeah, he says something really similar. Uh, yeah, he, he's you're driving me crazy, Mark. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a uh, great character. character. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of filled with r- like reshoots of those types of scenes. A lot of shots too. Yeah, a, a yeah. lot of
0: shots are are directly uh, uh, copied from the room. Like uh, one of my favorite was, um, and I was surprised they even like went to this sure. one. But but the um, the scene on the rooftop where the camera keeps panning back and forth yeah. between them as they talk, yeah, that that happens in this, and I was like, I, I applauded <laughs> when that happened. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: There's definitely a lot of people in my theater who were just there, because we we had it as like a, a one night only screening um yeah. as a pre-release type of thing and yeah people i i did find though that my friends who watched the movie just for those kinds of references they didn't really enjoy anything else about the movie like it just became like what do we see from the room oh okay that's it because it's not a fun bad movie the way the room is it's just it's it's a movie um
0: i i would actually like I'm going to definitely have to see it again and make a final decision. Um, and spoiler alert for the end of this episode, when, when, when we actually go into a full on little mini review, I'm probably going
1: to do spoilers throughout my other references. too.
0: Oh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But, but no, I actually laughed a lot more than I expected to like, whether it was the Easter egg moments or just in general, the insanity of this movie. Um, and I I fully understand anyone who watches this and says oh it's just the room light and it you know sure, it's nowhere sure. near as good I I totally get that but I actually enjoyed it quite a bit oh, I, like, I, I was laughing watching the whole time. it
1: but I enjoy watching bad movies that are not famous for being bad you know right like the people right. I win it with it's used to like Rocky Horror Picture Show The Room stuff where it's not just that it's bad it's like spectacle involved too and then yes, whereas yes. like this is the kind of movie um and this is honestly the first thing i said to my friend when we got out is if it didn't have tommy and greg in it this would be a movie that you would see at 2 p.m. on a sunday on showtime beyond where it would be yeah, like it's absolutely. just a little bit of a creepy thriller ish like it kind of always hints that there's something more mysterious and sinister uh, but never actually does any of that and otherwise it's just a pretty schlocky movie exactly Uh, i definitely enjoyed watching it though uh yeah sure
0: (laughs) yeah tommy uh tommy in a lot of ways makes the movie i mean greg's great too um but tommy i mean i i know that the main reason obviously for this movie to exist is to try to make lightning strike twice sure and i would say almost every time he opens his mouth it does yes (laughs) yes <laughs> like you know so this he is so electric in this movie and it's it's insane you wouldn't expect
1: so this movie taps into something that the room only accidentally tapped into which is right. and it comes up if you see things in interviews too where if you get him in the right mood tommy is not just funny to watch on camera he's genuinely endearing um right like you almost feel like he's like your bashful little brother or something like that and there's a few scenes in the room that it's like you almost stop looking at tommy as a mysterious person who probably killed someone in poland in the 20s and stole their identity and moved here and sold his soul to a witch for eternal life but you look at him like a little puppy instead and you're like oh man that's that's tommy he just wants to play basketball with his friends and have a good time and it's um like i felt like this movie had a lot more of those moments Of just like, I'm enjoying watching Tommy try to connect to another person in some way. Um, And you can tell that on some level, they genuinely are best friends, you know, off camera and stuff like that. And that really does come through.
0: What would you credit the success of actually uh, bringing that personality out of Tommy again? Um, Would you you credit more to Greg Sestero's script or to... Uh, this director, Justin McGregor, who I was not familiar with before. I think he only really had one in the movie.
1: Um, Um, I have not seen Tommy in very much else. Like I've seen a few clips of him in Samurai Cop 2 and on Tim and Eric. Um, So I don't know. But I feel like in interviews recently, Tommy has been getting better and better at kind of rolling with the punches of how weird he is. And right, not just right. in like a try hard kind of way, like it used to kind of seem like he was being obtuse for the sake of being obtuse
0: it, that's exactly the point I was getting at, yeah, because in after the room got its popularity uh it, it never it always felt forced yes. you know it it never felt real um. Yeah in this it feels real again yes yeah 100 <laughs> percent. which is which is a beautiful thing so there have been two
1: different like i've seen two different kind of origin stories for this script and one is that it was inspired by a road trip that greg took with tommy where he was pretty sure that tommy was going to kill him um and i think that's the road trip portrayed in the movie the D- disaster artist which we'll talk about later um, mm-hmm. but also I've heard that he just kind of wrote it because he felt bad after the disaster artist was like first filmed, that he was like, I just kind of want to do something with Tommy again. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really interesting. I will talk about some stuff I, later on that I talked about with Greg once, but you can definitely see parts of this movie are written from Greg to Tommy, and some of them are written as greg imitating tommy if that makes sense right like there's definitely parts of dialogue he deliberately wrote in a way that seems like it's how tommy would have written it and there's definitely scenes that just kind of seem like he's trying to give tommy some wish fulfillment on camera yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and and it's interesting how well they blend together for the most part i mean there are some there are some stretches of the film that i mean i you know the, the major big spoiler alert, from what I understand, that was like the big surprise for you. Although I knew it, of course, already yeah. going into it last night. But the big surprise was that this is being split into two volumes. Oh, man. And, but are, <laughs> did, did most of your
1: theater know that going in, or did people go nuts when that came up?
0: I think most of them did. I actually heard someone like literally as they were walking out saying, like, I didn't know it was going to be two parts. So there's at least that guy. Yeah. So most know, of my but... <laughs> theater didn't
1: know. And I guess I probably found yeah. out because reviews weren't, weren't hiding that. So that was why I told most of my friends to go in totally blind. And since we caught yeah. it on, on the, the first run still, uh, most of my theater didn't know. And people were just, you know, like, what when that came up because yeah. <laughs> everyone sits there and is like, how is this plot going to wrap itself up in the next <laughs> Like, oh yeah,
0: the plot, it, it barely even gets going until an hour and a half in. It, it really does, <laughs> and that
1: almost makes me wonder if part two is going to be the, quote, movie, and this kind of the Greg and Tommy, you know? <laughs>
0: well, that the last 10, 15 minutes are so bizarre that, like, I can only imagine what part two is going
1: to be. Oh, like. <laughs> so that actually is a really good segue into one of the influences uh, that I cited. Okay. If you, uh, do you have more stuff on the room you want to bring up in particular? I know no, I'm mostly... We...
0: We can absolutely move on. I'm sure throughout this episode, we're going to be coming back and oh, forth. Oh to yeah, room. for sure. It's, it's when talking about Tommy, it, it just has it's, to happen. It's It's infectious.
1: But, um, so for those who haven't seen the movie, um, and th- this spoiler will in no way impact your enjoyment of the movie. You should absolutely go see it. Tommy, please don't sue me. Um, so basically the last five, 10 minutes at some point, it stops being the ending of part one and starts being a trailer for part two. And it's never made clear at what point that transition really happens. And the end is largely kind of shot in the way that a trailer for a movie traditionally would be shot, where there's like a lot of out of context scenes that all look very cool, but part of it is very clearly not the trailer for part two. It's a bit of an, an epilogue bit for the movie. And it's not just timed by the part where at one point it goes like, best friends, volume one. And it comes up kind of the way like a question mark comes up after the end in old 70s movies, where people are like, oh, God, there's a volume two. And then it keeps going. But that part still seems to be volume one. And then at some point, it just swerves into this random collection of scenes, which is why I say, oh, and also I'm doubling down. Every influence I'm going to talk about in this episode, I have never seen. Uh, So I only know it from the pop culture thing, which is why I cite Twin Peaks for the last 10 minutes of the episode. Cause the movie just turns really bizarre and surreal and shows shots of like a dude in the woods and someone like ripping off someone else's mask while screaming. Is there someone on fire or am I misremembering that? I, th-
0: I think there was someone on fire. I think There's maybe also the cowboy, like the cowboy, the cowboy looking on fire off. or something. <laughs> it, it just feels
1: very what people tell me Twin Peaks is like. Right. I mean, hard well, well I'll just,
0: I'll just say right now I'll, I'll combine with your Twin Peaks and I had Mulholland drive. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, David, Lynch, yeah. David Lynch in general. So, yeah. So <laughs> absolutely David Lynch. This is, yeah, this is Tommy Wiseau by way of David Lynch. Um. But it, yeah, but I mean, genuinely. The whole movie the is like a movie. dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We. <laughs> well, the next movie might be another straightforward movie, and it's just that when you take the clips out of context, it looks David Lynchian. We really don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. It's it's impossible to know. I mean, the whole movie is very Lynchian though, yeah. although definitely those the that last 15 minutes that is pseudo trailer for the next one. Yeah, yeah it it's it's so bizarre and so dreamlike or nightmare like and yeah, it's like definitely has that Lynch feel to it yeah. and um
1: and it might not even be representative of what part two is actually
0: like i know that's what's so beautiful
1: (laughs) part two literally might be another hour and a half of the same thing they just happened to put that weird imagine dragons bassist music or whatever oh can we talk about how all of the commercials for this movie, really quick, would be like with music by Imagine Dragons, and like in small <laughs> letters underneath, it would be like apostrophe S is basis or something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if it's the bassist or whatever, but it it it, it, was, it was definitely you know, like the word Imagine Dragons was much larger than the dude's to, name.
0: <laughs> to that point, point. um, and I swear this is not jealousy, although I I wish I sure. was scoring a uh, a uh, Tommy Wiseau film. Um but the score was kind of my least favorite I part of the hated movie it.
1: and like four and of the, my friends brought it up afterwards.
0: The reason why is because the score knows that the movie is bad. Yes. It, it, you know the score it's a score for a bad movie. And yeah. it, well, I, I mean, like it the was it's, it's pretty points. well done at times. Like there's some pieces of the score I like yeah. on their own but they're doing it he was doing it in a way that's like, oh look how bad this is. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Napoleon Dynamite's. Score. Okay. Um Yeah, and like um like a weird, like just weird music kind of way. Yeah, I yeah.
1: definitely got still the the two PM on Showtime Beyond type of mm-hmm. vibe from that. I don't know why it, yeah, it reminded me of a shittier version of the primer soundtrack in some ways, which is weird. I don't know the that one. Primer soundtrack was recorded for like six dollars by the guy who directed the movie um oh, okay. i just remember the kind of like sparse ambient vibe that sometimes the soundtrack would tap into and that was when i thought it was at its best um yeah, absolutely. there was one song that i remember first sounded like a shitty version of pink floyd's money um <laughs> i don't remember it was probably at the scene while they were stacking mu- wait okay i don't know this i'm gonna embarrass myself musically right now when they're talking about the rolling stones and then the camera pulls out that's not actually a Rolling Stones song, right? That's like a sound-alike no. that's supposed to yeah, be a ripple of like sound satisfaction alike. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, because I don't know a lot of Rolling Stones, and I was like, this sounds like if you had $7 for a movie budget and was like, what sounds Rolling Stones-ish? But it comes immediately after that scene where they're talking about how great the Rolling Stones are for like six minutes, and in any movie with a bigger budget, that's the part where like, can't get no satisfaction would kick in and the friends would road trip down but in this case it's like can't acquire happiness is playing in the background or something like that that would be a great song (laughs) i can't acquire (laughs) happiness oh my god God, so you know you
0: know what i'm gonna move on to another inspiration here and um this is actually a, a two-parter. Okay. Uh, where I'm gonna I'm gonna say two different ones uh, together. Sure. Um, because they both have a very similar theme, uh, and that would be a simple plan and Fargo.
1: Um, is a simple are, plan another Coen
0: Brothers movie? Uh, it is uh, actually Sam Raimi. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it, it's 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 about um, you know, schemes for money gone wrong. Oh, okay, you know, cool, cool. It's, it's, yeah, and yeah, uh, terrible people. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It, yeah terrible people and and that's you know that's definitely i think a place where this movie came from as far as uh, the story went yeah. um obviously, like we discussed, you know the goal number one was uh you know let's let's capture lightning in a bottle again. <laughs> goal number two, I think was write something that we like, and I have a feeling that uh that Greg Sistero just likes these kind of movies' sure. kind of like you know these meaty mysteries, you know, with 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 money and murder and morality yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, and and so I think that that is where he was going with the actual script. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, despite the fact that it's in you know in the middle of this <laughs> insane movie, I think it it is you know. If it was reeled in and made more normal with regular actors and everything, and uh, you know all that stuff, yeah. it could have actually been a pretty uh, a pretty interesting mystery.
1: Yeah, you know? know, I never really clued in on like the film noir aspects of it, but like that's uh-huh. definitely something where I feel like yeah, in a more competent um, hand, and that's not necessarily also even a knock against the people who actually made this film. Like at some on some level, some people knew what they were getting into and turned into the skid. On some level. Uh, people did genuinely good work that is just attracted by the context of the film in general but like yeah right. if you like shot this a little straighter with some other people or whatever you would absolutely i could see how you would get something kind of fargo-esque and a bit of a, an intrigue in the weird characters and stuff
0: <laughs> who would have thought that's where we'd end up back in uh, 2004 when whenever the room came out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um,
1: so i actually in in the in another taking another direction the only other thing that really jumped out at me is i got very hardcore hitchcock vibes for the final 10 50 like uh, vertigo in particular obviously which is another movie i've never seen Um, Mm -hmm. But I know they've parodied the scene where the person's falling or getting vertigo and thinking of falling or something. Um, (laughs) And there is some falling in this film, which looks very vertigo-y. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's well documented that Greg and Tommy do both enjoy, um, you know, the cinematic classics and things
0: like that. Yeah, definitely. yeah, they're big they're big fans of the classics. Yeah, yeah. For sure. they, they, they got they got to uh, they they got to cut in a few uh, scenes of some oh. old classic and like having the uh, the headshots of the actors and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, you
1: know? yeah. I'll definitely yeah. come back to more of that with um, disaster artist stuff for sure. But that was sure. the the one other thing was the conclusion felt very Hitchcockian for me, and I think actually a big part of that was because so much of the plot was left unresolved for part two that i mistook that for there being greater stakes and intrigue than there actually was because i was like oh man how are they gonna wrap this all up in the next six minutes it's a crazy twist and also a dude is arguing and getting thrown off a cliff but maybe it's not the person who you think it is blah 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 and then the movie just ends and it was like oh that was how they handled that by not handling it Instead, I had thought, like, maybe they were going to do some genius swerve or something. And that would have been, like, how Hitchcock would have filmed that movie. I'm shitting on them too much. This movie was not filmed as a two-parter. It was filmed as a one-parter, and it came out too long. So, like, I, f- yeah. I feel like I shouldn't necessarily disparage them too much for that. But, I will, hey, by, the but way, I by the
0: way, before... Before we move on to the next one, um, did they show uh, all the behind the scenes stuff after when you saw? No,
1: no, I I haven't seen any behind the scenes for this except for the fact that I know some of the scenes from the commercials were not in the final film.
0: That's okay. Yeah, no, they they showed a whole little making of uh, thing. It was about like maybe five minutes long. They called it the Red Bull Diaries. Oh, okay. It was just him on set drinking Red Bull and like just you know messing around. Mine did still have
1: a warning that it was a working cut so you may have oh, seen okay. something slightly slightly different from me but it seemed yeah, pretty yeah. finished
0: and then after they showed that they showed uh scary love which it turns out is just a music video um the thing that we thought we were getting another new tommy Wiseau movie this year was that the like uh, uh
1: was that the like
0: cyber thriller one or is that yeah Oh, okay yep yeah and it, it was it was beautiful actually it was like really <laughs> great it's a great song by the neighborhood and uh and the video is actually really cool. It's like a cross between like Terminator and like, I, I don't know. It was, it was weird and <laughs> crazy. It and, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was great. And, and, uh, and then after that they showed making of that. Sure. <laughs> so, That's yeah. A, so yeah. it was, it was content galore. That's I was going to see it a long time. They were, they were originally
1: going to show ours for a while. And then there was like some stuff that happened and I think it was licensing issues. So kind of for us, the spectacle was just getting to see it early None of the associated stuff. Actually, Well, I, I take that back. They followed it entirely and previewed it entirely with videos themed around the word friend because clearly the best thing to do right before watch Best Friends starring Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero is a sing-along to Biz Marquis, Just a Friend. So Absolutely. that that was the mindset sense. I walked into that theater with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So we so, should probably uh, talk about The Disaster Artist now and the That's what I was going to say. It's it, yeah. it's
0: it's a good uh from behind the scenes yeah. and all that and jumping into uh the movie about the making of The Room. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's a good time.
1: So yeah, so with uh The Disaster Artist, there's the book and the movie and one thing I really liked is that uh this movie had a lot of the things from the book that the movie adaptation of The Disaster Artist didn't have. Uh, One of my favorite things is there's one scene, maybe two, uh, where they're watching Sunset Boulevard, which is Mm -hmm. another movie I haven't seen, but they quote Sunset Boulevard at the uh, start of every other chapter in The Disaster Artist. And I believe there's a part where Greg talks about how it's important to him, but the general concept of like Hollywood kind of making everyone crazy is not a plot right. in the film, but it's still referenced in the film, partially just by the actors and the situations that led up to it, partially by the um, face masks that are uh, look like famous people. And I think they, they also have a James Dean one for that, right?
0: I, I think so. I yeah. think
1: so. And then, yeah, because in The Disaster Artist, you know, so Tommy's You Are Tearing Me Apart comes from uh, Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean, another movie I haven't yeah. seen. And they do explain that in the Disaster Artist movie, but I believe they also have a few more references here because um, James Dean was really like Tommy's number one idol for acting and stuff like that. And he adored the guy and Greg and him together um, would just talk about this guy all the time. So them kind of putting in more references to that, I felt was really a nice way to uh, that's kind of an example of a scene written for tommy like i was talking about earlier where it seems like it's a nod to their friendship that you wouldn't know about if you hadn't seen uh the disaster artist or read the disaster artist and same with the sunset boulevard and stuff like that
0: sure yeah you know it's it's funny um i when the disaster artist came out there was some review uh that i read that mentioned that the movie it's like it's like the behind the scenes of, of The Room. It's also like a prequel to The Room and a sequel to The Room. <laughs> and I, I think you could say a lot of the same thing about uh, Best Friends. Definitely. It, it's, it's sort of a sequel. It's a prequel. It's uh, in the universe of, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, oh, of it's, it's a universe, lot of things. Fingers
1: crossed. You, you,
0: yeah, I know. Oh. Like We could only we could only dream. <laughs>
1: um. So so one thing I wanted to tie in with this actually is a, a bit of a, a story I have related to Greg Sestero, which I think it made me appreciate a lot of the aspects of this movie a lot more than a lot of people did. So uh, they show the room in Seattle. Uh, I will throw in a quick plug for Central Cinema, the greatest theater theater in Seattle. Uh, they'll show it every month. And, you know, they usually get different cast members there. And Greg's been a few times, not always to show the room, but uh, he was there for Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, which is another movie he was in. Um, he's come and done like stage readings of the show before. And then afterwards, nice. they always kind of show the movie. So I've seen the movie so many times at this point that I had zero interest in um, actually watching it again. I had gone to see like Greg do the stage performance with some local comedians. Uh, and I was mm-hmm. pretty drunk by that point too. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get some air. So I walked out and Greg's just chilling in the lobby because, you know, he doesn't want to fucking watch the room. (laughs) Like he of all people knows that. So I hung out with him for probably, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes or so. Um, And we were just kind of sitting around shooting the shit. And um, I kind of talked to him about like things I've heard him say in interviews and stuff like that. And, And I called him out on the fact that like when he has fan interactions, sometimes he kind of tends to come across as kind of fake and patronizing. Um, which is why I've always kind of had like a bit of a sour taste in my mouth with Greg and watching the disaster art- or reading the disaster artist as funny as it was kind of gave me more of that. Cause it, I kind of felt like he was biting the hand that feeds a bit too much. Like he was trying right, to right. have his cake and eat it too and act right. like he was too good to be in the room when the fact is also that he's not, you know, he, it's, it's not like he was a great actor and the movie was terrible except for right. him or something right. like that. Right. And in the past, he kind of steered into the, like, well, I wasn't supposed to be the actor. And then it kind of just turns into the, I don't care about this at all. So I was kind of talking with him about things like that. And and I asked him a question that I don't think he's really gotten before. Um, And I said, you know, based on where you are now, like you you are successful objectively. You are famous objectively, but everything you do from now on, and this was well before Best Friends was announced, uh, everything you do from now on. I think this is even before Disaster Artist the movie was announced. Um, is going to be tied back to the yeah. room and Tommy, and like you're probably not ever going to be escape this. Escape this. Um, I know you wanted to be an actor. Actor though, are you happy with this? Would you have rather not been in the room and still be an out of work actor doing plays for ten dollars a night in San Francisco? Um, or which, you know, which is nothing like, I have plenty of friends who are in, who are actors, right? That's just a thing is not many people get famous and they become waiters and just do plays at night. And that's probably where he would still be. Or now he's famous, but it's always going to have some level of irony to it. Uh, So that question bummed him out. (laughs) Um, And he thought (laughs) about it for a little bit. And he said, if this was only still just about the room, I think I would be pretty disappointed. Um, but, and 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 it almost kind of seemed like, like I was kind of almost implying the same sort of things, like uh, people who were on Star Trek, who now just go to conventions all the time as right. the person from Star Trek. And he, because he, he, basically he said that the book was kind of what justified it for him. Because suddenly he was still famous for The Room, but it was also kind of on his terms, not just uh-huh. on Tom's terms anymore. Um and I thought that was a really interesting answer and I definitely felt like I was seeing a lot of that in this movie that it was still a movie that was capturing the stuff from the room that made it successful but it was also Greg putting his own level of ownership on it and right, trying right. to kind of um make it so he's not just as passive and i don't really know if that colored my um my my enjoyment of the movie at all but i i definitely was thinking of that a lot as i was watching it there were a lot of scenes in the movie that felt that way that this was like proof that what he was saying was very much true and that this was kind of another way for him to combat that in the same way that the disaster artist was right like if he really wanted to put it behind him he would just start doing stuff completely unrelated to The Room, right, like Dude yeah. Bro Party Massacre 3. Even that, it, he did it as a favor because the guys who directed it were the ones who got The Room famous in the first place. Yeah. And, all still, and that's actually, I believe, no, that was the first time I met him was at a Dude Bro Party 3 um, screening. But yeah, that's still tied back to The Room in some way. And now he's got this movie, which I don't know if it's gonna be successful. I don't know how much it costs to begin with. It might be one of those movies that's like pretty much automatically successful. But, right, right. um,
0: yeah, that's a really interesting story. Yeah. And I, I wonder now with, with the disaster artist, the movie, uh, yeah. in the rear view, and we're, we've now got best friends out best friends two on the horizon. Uh, you know, I wonder if he still would answer that question roughly the same way, because, I mean, clearly the room is still a major part of his life. Yeah, yeah. No no, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, he's doing it more on his own terms at this point, uh, which is maybe more so than he was at that point. But um, yeah, I I wonder how he feels about it now. I I would have to think that he's got to see it, you know, as a positive. Sure, sure. Uh, You you know, because, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy uh, route to success, but well, it's, if he's yeah. doing well and and sur- you know surviving on this lifestyle and this uh, career path. Yeah, um, he's got to at least be pretty thankful.
1: Oh yeah, I, I'm <laughs> sure once he's I, and I don't even want to throw around the term victim to describe someone who is still making a living off of a movie they made. Um, 30... <laughs> well, also I'm sure he wasn't necessarily making bank before the Disaster Artist came out um tommy tommy was making bank off of licensing uh i i'm sure greg was not getting cut of that pie because every time i see greg he is definitely like got a merch booth with him which i don't fault him for apparently that's like that's what he does right tommy when he goes to screenings for the room He's selling himself, and he's selling the room merchandise. Sure, Greg, when he goes sure. to screenings of the rooms, he tries to parlay into, "Hey, can you do? You want to buy a copy of the original script? If you don't have that, by the way, there's um he sells a copy of the script when it was originally like a play. Pretty fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I've I've read little excerpts. Okay, from it. I I should get a copy. That's
1: of it. what they. <laughs> I think I've got a signed copy of that from when he did a reenactment of that with some local comedians. Um, <laughs> and that, that was good he does he, you know he does a fantastic tommy impression that
0: oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I i listened to the audio uh the audible um audio book yeah yeah the disaster his tommy is amazing it,
1: it's it's really good i i i think he had already recorded the audiobook, but like i've i'd seen him do the impression live before because he plays tommy during the stage re- readings <laughs> and that's pretty fun because you get to essentially see him read the entire script uh oh, that's amazing <laughs> But yeah, he was, I, you know, I, I think now that he's able to get some leverage on it, I would imagine he's, I don't want to say like made peace with it a lot more, but it probably fulfilled what his caveat was when I asked if he was happy about it. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. And that's, I'm, I was very glad. I, I, I hadn't even remembered about that story until I was like, well, what can I talk about on this episode? And I was like, wait, I've definitely given Greg Sestero an existential crisis before. That's a great story to talk about.
0: <laughs>
1: and the worst case scenario, th- this is true, but maybe I'm misremembering part of it or whatever, is like, maybe if I'm wrong, Greg comes on this podcast next for episode two and clears everything up because... You know, oh, that would be beautiful millions of listeners here and i'm sure one of them will tell greg and greg will be like that didn't actually happen like that you came up to me and we're like oh, happy? <laughs> and, you were, and i was like yeah man sure it's good that i get to do stuff besides the room and then i just sat there drooling next to him for 45 minutes
0: <laughs> no I was, not, I was not i'm sure i'm sure that's how it i was not that drunk i
1: definitely i was definitely like you, you know, like once you've had like a shot or two and it's not really hitting you, but you're like, I feel like I've got an excuse to be a little bolder now. And my response to that was to be like, hey, yo, Greg, what's up? And then hang with him for a <laughs> while. And then also I, I tore him apart for not smiling in photos with fans because he doesn't. Um... So finally, when we took a photo, I was, you know, very much like, all right, you better fucking smile for this after this whole conversation we had. And then some when, girl... Greg, when
0: Greg finally smiles, it's kind of like a little ray of sunshine yeah, yeah. Is cracking through. You know?
1: But my favorite part about it was, was there was this girl who I assumed was with him at first because she was like just chilling on the, like around the table. This is going to be the part that maybe I'll get him in trouble if he's married or something like that. So <laughs> Miss Sistero, if you exist, I don't know. This happened before you guys met. But there was some girl who was there who at first I assumed was with him. And then when he was like, oh, y'all, here, can you take the photo? And she clearly had no idea how to take the photo. and was like fumbling around. And then with the interactions between the two of them, I realized that he definitely didn't know her. And this was just a groupie. So, like, if the question was, is Greg Sestero getting laid because of the room and not just because... He's a male model. The answer is yes, I saw it happen, or at least I saw i girl try to. But <laughs> I shit you not as he keeps struggling. We're holding this smile for like a solid 45 seconds at first. Where she's just like, um, 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 and then it finally starts, and she she gets my like camera ready and she's taking the pictures or whatever, and we're still smiling and we're both getting antsy, and he leans into me and goes, This is why I don't fucking smile for photos. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) I guess just everyone is so bad with their phones. Uh, I have no idea if he brought the woman back. I'm sure she didn't. It definitely just seemed like kind of like she was that kind of girl floating around at the table with him. Where at first I thought it was like his like manager or girlfriend or something in there, and very quickly realized she was just thirsty for the Greg.
0: Can you imagine being his wife and having to deal with Tommy? Oh my (laughs) God, Jesus!
1: (laughs) I don't know. Definitely when you put this podcast up, do some research into uh, if Greg is married or not and put that in the addendum. Uh, Cover cover my ass legally because the last thing I need, I don't know if you've ever seen like Tommy sue someone before, but it is devastating. He's like sued documentaries on the room out of existence before and stuff like that. (laughs) So the last thing I want to do is get on either of their bad side especially because I quite enjoyed my talk with Greg and I've still never met Tommy and would like to have a similar talk with him and try to figure I out have what I've met I,
0: I have met Tommy. Um, almost everyone uh, I know has uh, met Tommy besides me. <laughs> I know. I'll talk about that in the post show. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any other, uh, film inspirations you wanted to mention?
1: Um, no, you know, I, I feel like, again, at the end of the day, every reference comes down to being through tommy still yeah um every scene uh definitely uh you know a shout out to the actress who was in that who she almost kind of stood out by her refusal to not turn into the skid about this type of movie like i don't want to necessarily put a blanket she was acting a lot better than tommy and greg were but she was definitely acting right. in a very different way
0: and Right, right she was an actress yeah
1: she was yeah a serious actress and it almost came across like like she was being a femme fatale entirely by coincidence. Like the script was clearly <laughs> making her a femme fatale and she was clearly acting like that's, that's the name of your
0: autobiography, isn't yeah, it? <laughs>
1: accidentally <laughs> femme fatale. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, and it, but it seemed like Greg and Tommy's character didn't really acknowledge that or play off of it um and of course the ultimate there's a there's
0: a oh there's a really uncomfortable moment in the uh behind the scenes that they showed after the movie of him just totally harassing her by the way Um, of tommy yeah harassing her why girl like like, (laughs) compliment
1: no i mean otherwise besides that you know i always a shout out to paul Shear appearing in that movie i hope that made you happy oh yeah um, oh yeah,
0: absolutely. That
1: that was the thing that I meant. I, I think I mentioned after I saw it that it was like one thing you were gonna be very
0: happy about, I hope. And it was it was Paul Shears' random cameo <laughs> in there. Um so I'm gonna mention one more movie. Sure. Um and this one actually ties into the disaster artist, the book. Okay. Um, and that is the talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, yes, which, yes, yes. Which How did I forget? We that? we we know if he if you read the book that uh that Tommy basically was inspired to make the room after seeing the talented Mr. Ripley, and I think there's actually a lot of that in this script. And I'm it sure really Greg did is. that on purpose. I totally because yeah. um, I haven't seen
1: the talented Mr. Ripley either. So oh, that's a,
0: that's a great movie. You should see that. I mean, a lot of the ones you brought up that you haven't seen are great movies, but yeah, you should definitely the see classics. talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, no, just uh, ha- this friend who isn't who he's telling him he is is definitely like the main uh theme here in this movie and best friends um and best and friends 2 is... has an
1: undercurrent of like stolen identity that's probably going to be more relevant in the next one too. Oh
0: then there you go yeah. there you go which by the way we're, i'm going to have you back for best friends
1: oh of course today. yeah i'll try i'll try to get greg on board i'll just keep oh, seeing room screenings every month until he shows up again <laughs> and then six shots of tequila later (laughs) greg's on the podcast
0: (laughs) all right dave quick quick get on the
1: thing you know that if i call i'll facetime you we'll have like the first visual episode and it's literally just me going ah and greg is like glaring (laughs) at me and then putting it together becomes
0: the best podcast in the world So now, now what I do on this show sure. is a thing called the finished puzzle. Yeah, and this is where I just list off all of the things so we get them all in one place. So I, we have, of course, the room and the disaster artist. Of course, we also have a simple plan, Fargo, the talented Mister Ripley, uh, Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, uh, the films of Alfred Hitchcock, and I think that's it
1: yeah yeah everything else just came through the disaster artist you put those yeah. pieces together give them to a terrifying madman of unidentified eastern european <laughs> identification who is somewhere between the ages of 26 and 952 who Mary or may have sold his soul to the devil and you get best friends volume one and yes i did my sassy air parentheses as i said that
0: all right i'm glad you did too i it, it it came count. through for sure
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. You can. You can so, the microphone picks up the swish.
0: <laughs> so, um, to to wrap it all up, uh, I think it's pretty clear we both actually did like this I, movie. I enjoyed it us, significantly
1: right? more than almost anyone else I saw it with. But there's definitely. Yeah? You've got to know what you're getting into. I don't recommend oh, treating it just as um, a the room follow up or whatever. You have to understand that it's definitely a bad movie in a much more um generic kind of way, but that yeah, it's still yeah. it's got a ton of stuff to be enjoyed if you know what to look for. Absolutely.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When like I said, whenever Tommy opens his mouth, it the film absolutely lights up and the audience uh in in response lights up as well. Oh, for sure. Um when when he's not talking or he's not on screen, the results are a little more mixed than the room were. Um, yeah, some there's... of the some of the smaller <laughs> supporting characters aren't aren't as great. Like some of the sporting characters in the room were like almost as good as Tommy. They're sure. Really yeah. But, uh, they're not quite so much here in this one, but no. there, there are some great moments outside of Tommy as well. You know, you just got to, You got to watch for him and just know that you're getting into something that's a little different from the room, a little darker, a little weirder.
1: Yeah. If I had to summarize the different scenes of the movie, like the different parts of the movie, one would be any scene where all the characters are outside near a road at nighttime. Um, And that's that's the scenes where like the guy is on a Greg is on a date with his girlfriend or they're like dropping off money in exchange for stuff and all those scenes feel very much like low budget horror thriller kind of film yeah Uh, and i would say those are probably the worst scenes in the movie from a technical angle for sure um right you can still hear the static and the cars you can hear the microphones getting cut on and off unsubtly to prevent backup then you've got this some, same... ter- some terrible
0: sound mixing too yes I mean,
1: yeah yeah right. This the sound mixing is why well, I, I that actually you might have it may have been better for you than for me because i would believe that would be the one thing that's had true they to... updated yeah. it since the last time
0: you yeah, saw it yeah, yeah now now it was was the score was all of uh Dan plattsman i think his name is was all of his score um in it when you i saw
1: think it? so i'm, pr- I'm pretty okay. sure it wasn't a 10 score
0: it was pretty overpowering at some points where yes. it was like yeah, it was hard to really hear the dialogue. It should have been ambient. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And then the, the, another chunk of the scenes I would say is like Greg and Tommy playing basketball, Greg and Tommy having Chinese food, Greg and Tommy goofing off. in. I think it was Vegas. They went to maybe it was Reno. um,
0: Yeah. It's Vegas. Yeah.
1: Um, Those scenes are just the two dudes having fun. And you see something like how in the original room, Tommy wrote himself as Mr. Perfect and everyone else was an asshole to him. Yeah. And, Greg, when he wrote it, Tommy's character is still very much Mr. Perfect, who happens to be weird, Um, barring an implied necrophilia subplot, (laughs) which didn't really get explored. But otherwise, like the whole movie is Greg begging for a chance and then Tommy saying, yeah, you know what? Sure, I'll take a big chance on you. And then Greg fucking him over. Um like it's all still people fucking over this no- oh, and th- and then Greg's girlfriend out of nowhere is like yo you should fuck over this guy and steal a bunch of his money and it's like
0: which is basically the room
1: like yeah, <laughs> right, yeah like so it's still very much like Tommy is this great guy but in this case his weirdness is a bit more part of the character than a consequence of Tommy and I think that actually helps the plot a lot and then the third chunk you get is the things that are just room references and bizarre, and that overlaps with some of the um, some of the stuff. But like once it gets weird, those tend to be the parts where the plot actually moves forward. Because the weird parts are suddenly like you know they're taking stuff from corpses, they're trying to sell things from corpses, they're plotting murders for no reason. Um, and and when it's weird is when the plot tends to move forward. Um, And it does definitely just at some points come across another Coen Brothers film, almost like a Raising Arizona type of just like, we've got this couple who's going to do a really bad thing. And somehow you're supposed to root for them because they're likable, but they're not. Add a little Raising
0: Arizona in that (laughs) way.
1: That's like the only like Coen Brothers movie I've seen. So, and I know that has
0: a couple committing a crime. I I, I started, I'm just started a whole new podcast just dedicated to making you watch movies. Well,
1: I know I I just realized that I made a throwaway reference to Terrible People, which is also a movie I haven't seen. And yet, the way I made it a throwaway reference, it strongly implied that I was like very familiar with that film. But it's still relevant. So works. I just Wikipedia Amazing. movies, I don't watch them. Nice, That's nice. How it always works. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, this Dude. movie. right on. That I, I think that about does it. So, um, I God, this movie. Wow. That yeah, was, yeah. Was cra- you should, you should definitely crazy, go see it but... if you
1: can. Uh, preferably in a theater with people who are in the definitely. mood to see it. It definitely still does benefit from some level. I had friends who were heckling, and they didn't really understand that you shouldn't keep using the room heckles the entire time um but also in general like our theater was just not super heckleful um so those kind of fell flat in my opinion but otherwise like having people there to at least laugh at the references it helps a lot
0: sure absolutely so uh ryan thanks for doing this the first time i had you on the show i'm hoping to have you on again in the future absolutely and uh you have anything uh coming up you want to plug Uh, or anything like that
1: coming soon to all points west C.B. Darty and David Rosen bringing you a new podcast called Everything's Cloverfield. Every single episode, we take a new piece of media and analyze how it fits into the Cloverfield cinematic universe. Coming up next, next week, we talk about Jaws, Steven Spielberg, big inspiration for J.J. Abrams. Could he have inspired him by making what may be the first Cloverfield? Tune in next week to Everything's Cloverfield with C.B. Darty and fucking i was doing so good that for a minute that was good that was great and david rosen (laughs) (laughs) see you next week folks then this is where the clever song would play
0: (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i
1: don't know why i picked jaws like i said jaws and then immediately the back of my head was like how the fuck you gonna tie jaws into clever field and then i was like wait you know what eight week if anyone could do it we could do it of et and therefore jj (laughs) steven inspired jj (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey i'm so serious i would try that podcast oh my I, god just, <laughs> it would be so much fun oh
1: man that would be fantastic maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that we'll do the um i don't know if you're familiar with you talking you two to me which is scott ackerman uh-huh. and uh, and they all just always starts with let's talk about you two and then just goes into a tangent uh, i think everything uh-huh. think cloverfield could absolutely be that and then we were just I'm going. so nuts. down for this.
0: <laughs> I'm so down for this. We got to do it. We got to do it.
1: And that's how it started was. I want to be clear to anyone listening that may have sounded very professional. And Dave is very, very receptive to it right here. This is entirely just a reference to him and I are overfield heads, which is not a real term, but I think it gets the point across pretty well.
0: That's what Ryan thinks. I'm sitting here. I'm making notes. I want to start. Oh the man, show. dude! If
1: we could make that podcast <laughs> famous enough, JJ would be on this show too, and he could do it. Oh yeah, together for one of his own movies. Maybe he could fucking explain the plot to some of them. Exclusive. <laughs> oh, JJ finally man. explains Lost. All right. Well, it's been a fantastic right, thanks, being Ryan. on here. Take yeah, care, of puzzlers, or I don't know what the hell your fans are called. <laughs>
0: Puzzlers, that's a
1: good, uh, hashtag puzzlers, puzzles. let's start it. <laughs> let's hashtag start it right puzzlers, now. hashtag piecing it together, hashtag no filter.
0: Man, what an insane movie. What a, you know, this movie, I saw it now, uh, almost two weeks ago. Uh, it's taken us a little while to get this episode up. Um, and it's still with me. I'm still thinking about it all the time. Who would have thought that uh, the next Tommy Wiseau movie would be something that would stay with you? <laughs> something that would kind of haunt your dreams a little bit. I don't know. But uh, it was it was a, it was a great talk with Ryan. Um, and also, if you missed it, I posted a mini episode on April Fool's Day that included a little snippet of this as well as my personal Tommy Wiseau story. So if you skipped the mini episode, I suggest you go back and take a listen to it. And, um, you know, also a little quick story. Uh, when I posted that, um, Tommy himself shared it on Twitter, actually twice. And it got a ton of traction. (laughs) It got a lot of likes and a lot of retweets because of him. So Tommy, thank you. Uh, You definitely helped the show and hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll check this episode out and hopefully we can make a little dream come true and get either Tommy or Greg on this show. Um, I would love to talk to one of you about um, uh, these inspirations that we suggested on the episode and see what you think of them. uh, See if we're right, see if we're wrong, You know, I'm ready. Just let me know if you want to talk. I am totally down. Uh, Maybe when Best Friends Volume 2 comes out next month. I'm hoping. So anyway, thanks again for listening to another episode of Piecing It Together. Um, As always, make sure you subscribe and whatever podcast app it is you listen in. And if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, Um, come like us on uh, Facebook, Piecing It Together Podcast, Uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at PiecingPod. Um And, you know, I think that's about it. We got uh, another episode coming up later this week, and we got two more coming up the following week. We're just going to keep putting these episodes out. Uh, we're going to keep it moving fast for a little while. Um, And like I said, we'll eventually settle into a regular schedule. But for now, I think uh, twice a week is pretty good, huh? And I'll probably have a couple of little mini-episode things that I'll be thrown in there as well throughout. Um, And I forgot to put my phone on silent. Bad me anyway thanks for listening and i'm going to leave you again with a uh uh another song of mine uh because as you know we are in the process of promoting my next album a different kind of dream thanks for listening